about Reishma's episode. It was such a beautiful conversation and I'm really glad you enjoyed it. I hope you're going to like our next guest. Paul Gorman is an actor from Glasgow. He's exceptionally talented, so much so that they cast him not once, but twice in Outlander to play my love interests. He can also be seen in the hit BBC drama Mayflies as Young Hog. He's one of the kindest, most compassionate and humble people I've ever met. It's been so beautiful working with him over the past couple of years and I can't wait for you to fall in love with him too. Here's Paul. I see that your hair has gone. I'm a bold, it, it I'm a bold man. Uh, it looks good, I like it. I look like, as I've told you, I look like Eleven from Stranger Things. <laughs> That's not a bad thing. But not as cool, not, not as cool. cool. You just not need like cool. the dress and like, is it like <laughs> the dress and baseball the, the socks and stuff? Yeah. yeah. Because you went as Malfoy for Halloween. I did. I, I used the blonde hair. I thought, what can I do? I so, mean, yeah. the main question that I have for you then, Paul, is, is it true? <laughs> do blondes have more fun? I can confirm. I can, everybody stop what they're doing. I can confirm <laughs> blondes do have more fun. Do you think? I, I think I got like weirdly more attention than I normally really? would get. I don't know for all the good reasons though. I think a lot of people like, I'd be getting like the bus home late at night and some people would be like, oh, who's this guy? And I'd be like, oh, no. People thought you were having a bit of a crisis. Like, people thought, are you, are uh, yeah. you okay? Is this a I quarter met, life crisis? I met a lot of friends who thought I was really? having a bit of a meltdown. And oh I was like, God. no, it's, it's for a job. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, thank you for coming on. Caitlin, thank you so much for having me. I've been desperate to have you for a while, so it's nice to make it actually happen. Thank you. On a scale of shit to together, how Mm. are you feeling today? Shit to together? I would say I am feeling together it. That's a merging of shit and together. So I'm probably probably feeling more together than shit. And why do you think that is? I don't know. I think I think because I've been very kindly invited to your podcast, so I thought I would. I I've been like kind of focused on like what I would want to, nice. what we to talk about, or like in my own feelings. I've been very reflective oh. uh, in a positive way. So then I would say there's more together than shit. But I am nervous for it as well. Okay. Um, I don't know why. I think I think like every other actor, we become actors for many reasons, but one of them is not to say our own words but to say somebody else's <laughs> words so for a podcast to exist and for me to be on it and talking about myself it is quite quite nerve-wracking mm. but um yes yeah, so I'm I, I merged but more together than my shit not together I also think the nature of the podcast is quite well it could be considered kind of vulnerable so I think approaching it and not really knowing what you're going to get asked and stuff like that must feel like you're forgoing some kind of control a little bit totally but then I think podcast podcast that I love is when it is just quite honest and quite open and the conversation flows quite naturally so I think by you having the setup that you have kind of sparks that within your interviewee and for yourself as well so you're doing great kid it's weird doing it like this because we're normally doing it together we're normally both messaging each other before like what do you think they're gonna ask us right okay (laughs) I'll say this you say this we'll laugh at this point (laughs) oh we were such we were laughing at this point together (laughs) We were such a team. We were we yeah. were really I was so I mean, I've said it so often, but I'm so glad that I've been cast with you because I have felt this whole kinda our whole kind of journey has been like a team effort yeah. and that we have been so so in 
symbiosis mm. with each other that that it's it's never felt like a solo adventure. No, it's been lovely. It has been great. Yeah. It's been wonderful. Oh, cute. Well, okay, on that then, mm-hmm. what does having your shit together mean to you? That's a good question. I I suppose I don't really know the answer to that because it varies. I think having having confidence in myself is a big part of that. And that does vary depending depending on what I'm doing and, and where I am. So I, I suppose it is just, it's interesting. So when you very kindly asked me to do this podcast, mm-hmm. as I said, I've been reflecting quite a lot and wondering what it means to have your kind of shit together and to be happy. And I, I wonder if it's like one thing can't be without the other, if like happiness there's a degree of like happiness that you have but then with that you live alongside like anxiety in a way okay so like so I think I think when I was like younger Mm. um maybe become a late teens early 20s I had a lot of anxiety built up within me on over like fears that are irrational and and rational at the same time Mm. and I wanted to kind of dispel that anxiety and I wanted to get rid of it I wanted like to never experience it in my life again I wanted to be 100% 110% every day but by kind of working on myself and, and seeing someone and just came to an understanding that I would as much as as desperately as I want I would never be able to kind of like expel that anxiety it's always going to be a part of my life so I have to find a way to live alongside it and to I suppose in quotation marks manage it Mm. so especially in the past two years I've I don't think I have an answer about how to like you know to to deal with um, how to, if there's an answer to like how can be 100% all the time but like I have realised especially over the past two years a positive thing that has came as a result of the COVID pandemic is realising that we should just do things that are like make us happy yeah. like especially that few first few months when the world was just just stood still I was thinking you know what you need to do to, to, to get through this is just do things that you enjoy not having to worry about your career or any big things like that life decisions just do things little 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 tiny simple yeah. things whether it be like um you know playing a video game or watching a film or meeting up with a friend for a walk when we could do that during that time and then that kind of like balances out your happiness and, and in a weird way you feel quite invigorated and inspired to to do the the, the tough work to yeah. do the work in your career do the mundane things that you had to do about for your you know everyday life that having that kind of like balance of happiness um, kind of dispels anxiety yeah. away. Well, just on what you were saying, things that cause anxiety when you're looking at the macro of um, the w- state of the world or things that are out of your control, kind of what you're saying about just doing like one thing a day, yeah. like zooming in a little bit and just trying to manage the things that you can stay on top of that nourish you yeah. is really important when all of that starts to feel a bit out of control yeah. and I thought it was really beautiful what you were saying about almost like befriending anxiety yeah <laughs> RuPaul says something about like making friends with your saboteur like yeah yeah I think you're totally right it's really important what you said about control there's like so many things in our lives that we don't have control over but there is things that we can do that we can control it's mm. important when it comes to anxiety that we try to do everything that we can yeah Sometimes it can be overbearing and don't get me wrong, like as much as I've discovered this small <laughs> philosophy, I hardly, I hardly well, practice it, you know, like it's so funny, like I think um, when we've ever given advice to each other, if I give advice to friends, I always seem to give, uh, just to I sound so wise. I sound so wise. 
I sound like I'm giving them like I should be oh my god to be a therapist that's I so know. good but then when I give it to myself I never god, take it I so never easy, take it I wonder it? what that is why it's is just, just I think it's so much easier to treat your friend with kindness than it is with yourself yes objectivity in yeah. a way yeah yeah you're sure. not like it's not on your own life it's in somebody else's life so exactly. you can you can see everything mm. but like for you you're your biggest self-critic so you're Definitely. gonna you're not gonna give yourself a chance to kind of get over that hump I think I think that's when you get older you yeah. kind of maybe you maybe learn that um, I think it's like foregoing people pleasing a little bit as well and like so much mm. of my anxiety comes from almost trying to overextend myself to other people and like taking on more than I can control yeah. because I want to do everything and I want to be there for everyone and stuff like that. And you end up just burning out. I think with age, you start to be able to say no to things more in like a yeah, healthier way totally and right, yeah. choose yourself a little bit, yeah. whether that is just making the choice to like stay in one night when there's like a party going on or exactly you know. exactly it's i i feel the exact same mm. way i've i've been learning that as i've been getting older as well and it's not selfish to do that mm. it's not selfish to take some time to yourself because it's important for you to be a hundred percent there yeah. when your friend or your family member yeah. needs you so it's yeah. not it's not a selfish thing i think you that's, can't pour from an empty vase you are good <laughs> You are cute. That's someone else's. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a Caitlin and Ryan <laughs> So before the pod, um, I asked you to think or bring an object that makes you feel like you've got your shit together. Mm-hmm. So what is that object, Paul Gordon? Okay, it's a quite a big one. I think I might have cheated in this. How it's my it? cat. It's my cat. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it is my guitar. <gasps> oh, God, it's, it's beautiful. It's my guitar. So I don't know if this is a, if this class as an object. Have you yeah. had any instruments yet? Object. No, no, no. This is the first, but I'm very excited by this. So this this guitar... What, what make is that? This is an Epiphone. Oh, my God. Ep- an Epiphone it's SG. Gorgeous. Yeah, I, I got it purely because... Uh, the guitarist from All Time Low had a similar one, <laughs> the singer. And I realised also the singer of Fallout Boy had one as well. Nice. So I got this when I was like 15, That's 16. Beautiful. Oh, it's a gorgeous, it's gorgeous, it's a gorgeous gal. Yeah, I've chosen this because, so I got this guitar when I was like maybe 15, 16, and I feel it's been a constant in my life. Like, um, it's always been there. Music is, I've always been, I've always been surrounded by music. Um, but I have, like, my mum and dad would always play music in the house and we're big music fans. And my, my dad was in a band when he was younger. Um, but the music has always been in my life and it's been a big thing for me in terms of, of, uh, kind of growing my confidence. Um, when I was like a young, a young lad in, pri- in primary school, um, I was really shy. Like, I was really, it's funny because I don't, I wonder, I was, again, because you very kindly asked me to do this podcast, I've been quite reflective and I was like, I wonder why I was shy like when I was a kid. Um, I think it was because maybe like a fear of like being humiliated or feeling like really? isolated as a, as a younger kid. Like I did have moments where I was, yeah. did feel that way and saw other people in my class go through that as well. And maybe subconsciously I kind of felt like, oh, I don't want to be that. So I'll never, I won't speak, I'll be shy. I kind of retreat into my own kind of wee shell. And it wasn't until like high school, uh, I'm a high school at Trinity High School in Canvas Lang, we had a really good kind of performing arts department. Like we, had, we didn't have a lot of like resources or anything like that, but we had teachers that cared a lot. Um, and they had run a guitar club and I got into playing guitar and that and gained a bit of confidence and then got into playing with bands as well. Mm-hmm. And that was my big kind of like confidence builder. And I saw that had an effect in my own personal life as well, that I, I kind of came out of my shell um was more of myself which was something I think in high school you desperately tried to find yeah 
and then leading that into kind of theatre and acting um of not being afraid to make fun of yourself yeah that was the real thing and then that humiliation kind of just kind of just went so it's like I think this has been kind of kind of a kind of constant in my life and and when I do your question about like what makes you feel that you've got your shit together when I do play music I do as as cliche as this sounds I'm I'm going to be whipping out a lot of cliches in this (laughs) but like I do you do get to lose yourself when you're doing it and you do forget about everything else that is happening in the world it's like your most present like, absolutely yeah. absolutely I don't know do you feel the same way when you're doing poetry or do you a little uh, yeah I guess so a little bit I think maybe there's a difference between when I'm writing poetry mm-hmm. definitely it's it's the reason that I do it I've kind of said is like it's like a form of therapy almost and yeah. what I find so good about poetry is that you know you're trying to simplify a really complex feeling down to like two lines that rhyme although it doesn't always have to rhyme it doesn't always have to rhyme <laughs> um, but yeah there's that kind of presence thing like flow activities stuff like art and playing guitar and music is within mm. that or like yoga you're just present and in it and like you're using your body and your mind can't be spiraling because you'll have yeah. to be thinking about where you're putting your fingers and stuff like that that's a, a flow exercise yeah. is what that's called oh, that's great that makes total sense that that word just suits that activity mm. so much yeah um no yeah I just exactly what you said that I do feel when I'm I'm playing this and I, I weirdly felt a bit of anxiety in the past two years about not playing it like I've, I legit haven't been playing it since mm. like I said to you since I got back from America yeah. and then just been like oh my god like it does just I just do forget about every other wee worry that normally mm. affects me and yeah so I've been now kind of making myself well maybe actually answering to your first question like trying to get your shit together that what does that yeah. and just having 30 minutes a day just playing that yeah. just kind of a wee bit of selfish own thing yeah, it's just yeah, yeah. It's definitely really important. definitely help with that it's funny yeah. how we avoid the things that make us feel good sometimes yeah like knowing that playing the guitar makes you feel good and yet you haven't for a while and then almost feeling ashamed that you haven't been keeping up with it and stuff like that it's yeah self-flagellating again isn't it because you're like totally. god i should play that guitar and it's looking at me <laughs> it's looking she's looking at me she's looking at this beautiful big beautiful eyes but i think it's a weird thing especially when i was like my early 20s and to be honest still now but i do i have got better at it i maybe didn't see this as the things that made me happy as productive um, especially that kind of like maybe first year at drama school and at college and things like that I was very like thinking about career and how what can I everything I do in my day-to-day life um, somehow has to maybe help with the career no, course, like yeah. trying to focus that energy into that and then yeah. that is you know would stop me from from like playing the guitar or like you know starting up the playstation for a wee mm. 30 minutes about not um you know doing activity that makes you just instantly yeah. feel good but i always say that's what's interesting about like when you turn your passion or your creativity into the thing that's earning you money absolutely and yeah. so like you know acting for us would have been this at one point would have been escapism and play and everything like that totally. but now it becomes your career so you have a different head on it but i find it interesting with like writing now or playing music there's always and I guess it's that self-employed mindset of like if I get really good at this could this support me (laughs) could I be like (laughs) do you know what I mean and actually just reminding yourself that you can just do things for the love of it you can just sit in your room and play the guitar and that be enough for what it gives you as opposed to it like absolutely it's just a reminder like that exactly yes exactly (laughs) it's just nice to imagine sometimes absolutely (laughs) 
time in your life where you felt like you really had your shit together? Never. Um, <laughs> God, I really had my shit together. Mm. Um, pause is palpable. <laughs> I don't know. I, I genuinely do feel that I am quite an anxious person. So I, <laughs> I do feel that I maybe don't have it altogether, even though sometimes people do say like, oh, you seem to be doing great. I'm like, wow, yeah, sure. Um, a big one that rarely happens was my Outlander edition, maybe. Yeah. Uh, like, I never feel like I go in 100%, but for that for that chemistry test, and I think maybe, I think definitely it was a big part that you had to play in that as well. Oh. I was instantly feeling very supported by you and the casting director and director that I walked away feeling like I did a good job. Yeah. Like um, That's so hard to access God, yeah. that feeling though, isn't it? God, yeah. God, yeah. Because yeah. I, I think through every, even self-tapes, you do yeah. get very self-critical and be like, I should have done that, I yeah. should have done that. Or you have, for self-tapes particularly, you do one take and another take and being like, I wish I could take <laughs> the smile from that tape and put it at the end of this <laughs> tape. It's like, it's just not possible. No, or it just looks so weird, jump the cut. Yeah, um, yeah it is. You're totally right. It's so hard to kind of leave mm. with that feeling. And that's one of the rare times that I did have that. Not that I left thinking I've got this part. I no. never, never feel like I had that. But I did feel like you did the best that you could yeah. there. Move on and to see, we'll see what happens yeah. with that. Um, I think Brian Cranston says that about like auditions. He says you just you just go to do your job and then you forget about it. Move on to the next. Well, thing. That's it. Yeah. He says that's like it's just such a healthy relationship yeah. to have. So I probably would say that and. Um, God, I I don't know what else. I think any any time that I did play in the, the bands when mm. I because we were just having fun, yeah, and there was no pressure. Yeah. Anything where I didn't feel like a great sense of pressure, I would mm. definitely feel like I had my shit together. Hanging with friends, simple things like that. Yeah. And I think it does matter with who you're surrounded by as definitely. well. Plays into that fact yeah. of ha- feeling that you you are your true self, yeah. whatever that is, or yeah. you your hundred percent self. What about yourself? What do you have you said that you've <laughs> Oh, you've never had this question turned to you? You're such a terrible turner. Um, This is actually about you, Paul. Uh, No, I don't know. I agree. Like, I think it's so easy to look back at situations with rose-tinted glasses. Yeah. And, you know, Instagram makes that so palpable. Like, you're like, oh, fuck, I really had a good time then. But then when you actually take yourself back Mm. to that point, you're like, no, I was still riddled with anxiety and everything like that. I think... To be honest, I think I'm entering into an era of feeling that. I wouldn't say that I have it all the time, but I think I felt since getting older a big shift in terms of less people pleasing. For me, that was such a fucking huge thing. Just so would make myself so much smaller in every social situation because I just wanted people to like me so desperately and easily would lose a sense of myself in those situations and kind of what you're saying about auditions I don't think I've ever up until recently been able to leave an audition room proud of myself I'm really trying to be kinder to myself and I had one recently where I, I just wrote down on my phone like go in and take up space go in and have fun and like be kind to yourself when you leave that's really important but I'm trying to like put that into practice with most things that I do now it's yeah. a journey it's definitely totally everything yeah. is transferable mm-hmm. I it was a big lesson for me thinking that everything that I do in my life can be transferred to what I do how I am in certain social situations it doesn't have to be just for one simple thing and you don't have to isolate everything 
Yeah. That's a really good kind of way of like reflecting positively because mm. I'm the exact same and I think you're totally right. It comes down to trying to be a perfectionist. Yeah. I've always been like that. There is like a positivity about wanting to be perfectionist because you do put your 100% into yeah. your art and your work and you want to make it the best for not just yourself but the person yeah. who's watching it as well. But then there is that negative side is that yeah. you are just so self-critical. That way of the writing down those three things, I'm totally going to steal that. <laughs> That's a great thing, just no, reminding is. yourself. Well, I think rather than going in and being like, get the job, which is mm. so out of your control, like the things that you can Completely control is just control. like how you treat yourself in that situation. Totally. Um, yeah, I'm not sure that that answers my own question, Paul, but <laughs> <laughs> off the top of my head, uh, but that's kind a of good, how I'm feeling. It's a good thing to kind of yeah. take into any kind of situation, yeah. especially those ones that are stereotypically riddled with anxiety oh, for sure. and you're going, to, you know you're going to be nervous. Yeah. It's so funny, like sometimes like, I, I think I'll be confident about something and two minutes before I'll be like, oh my God, I am... I'm peeing myself right now. This is like, this is like, I am like terrified. And it's just like, why? Why? But but again, just going, I suppose, back to what we were talking about at the start of the podcast is you just have to live with that anxiety and weirdly help it motivate you or fuel you not a hundred percent in the way because if you're fueled by anxiety then you're not going to have a happy life. But like living alongside it and helping it to spur you on. I think it's quite a positive thing. There was a Brené Brown podcast that I listened to about perfectionism. And she was saying that perfectionism is a product of shame. Mm. And actually what we should be going for is like healthy striving of excellence as opposed to like being perfect. Because being perfect, you're never going to be fucking perfect. So you'll just come away and you'll be like, you'll always fail in comparison. But if you're just like healthily pursuing the best of your ability... That you're not going to be disappointed. Exactly. You're going to be like, I did a good job. Yeah, or I tried my hardest. Tried your hardest yeah. and then you just move on. That's a good... Uh, yeah. Again, you're filled with a good mantra. I just listen to a shit ton of podcasts. In opposition to that, a time in your life where you felt like you really didn't have your shit together. I suppose like any time I went through a big kind of shift in my life, mm-hmm. um, whether it be like a personal thing to do with family or mm-hmm. friends or moving out for the first time, like simple yeah. things like that. It's, I think a, a massive thing, which I think everybody can agree on, is losing a family member as well. Yeah. Especially because you don't really get prepared for that. You watch films where that happens, or mm. you know, friends that's happened to, or you hear songs about losing someone, but it's it's just even, you're, even though you're surrounded by a culture where where death is everywhere when it happens personally to you you're never kind of prepared for it you say that but also we're surrounded by a culture which is stiff upper lip and gotta get on with it like our culture doesn't deal with grief very well it's not talked about in a way that facilitates healthy conversations around it and gives people space to deal with it I completely um, agree. Yeah. You know, you look at like other countries where grief is such a part of their existence and even the way in which they mourn is very like cathartic and stuff like that. Ours yeah. is still so stifled with everything. I do feel that, you know, things are changing. I think it's been another, there's not many positives that came out in the past two years, mm-hmm. but like 
mental health has now come to a much more of a forefront yeah. and we are discussing it a lot more like my parents are very open about discussing it like it's it's a positive side to see from the past two years yeah. but you're totally right grief especially you are just expected to move on and move on so quickly mm. as well mm-hmm. like to lose a, a family member especially someone so close like I, I don't think you ever do you do ever get over that yeah. and, and again you know, living al- alongside anxiety is one thing, but living alongside grief mm. is something. Uh, is something quite. I don't think you get over with. I just watched them. Um, have you been watching Louis Theroux's interviews? On... I've seen the Stormzy one. I've not watched the Stormzy one oh, yet. It's brilliant. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. He's, I love that bunch yeah, so much. Great. But there was the Judy Dench one that I, oh. I watched, uh, and she talks about losing her husband of like mm. maybe twenty years ago, and still to this day she finds it difficult to talk about yeah. and kind of rock her to her core and and I think watching that I was just like it does just not leave you and I mean just shows how much her husband meant to her in her life that she still you know is terribly upset by that I don't think you would ever get over that but it's important that you do have to live alongside grief like you're saying about countries in the world where it's cathartic or they just have a better infrastructure to kind of like deal with the loss of someone is, is just very it's very important and I do hope that like our country does take that forward. That is a part of our kind of culture. Yeah. I do feel like it is changing, but maybe that's the optimist inside me just hoping it is yeah. going to change. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think at those moments I've definitely not felt. And you don't, you don't feel that you have a foundation. Everything that you've been taught about having to deal with um, anxiety and feeling upset just goes out the window when you're dealing with grief. That you just feel like you're just kind of floating and in, in, in an awful way. Yeah. Um, and it is just by surrounding yourself with people that you yeah. know that you love and, and that love you in return that uh, you do get through those kind of those kind of times. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Nothing prepares you for it, mm-hmm. um, and also the different levels of grief that you have as well. I remember reading a book by some some psychologist. <laughs> he did a TED talk about grief. Classic. I know. Yeah, one of them. <laughs> and. Um, but he was saying, you know, grief isn't just losing, like, someone dying, for example. It could be, like, a relationship coming to an end, yeah. a pet dying. Like, mm. these are such palpable expressions and, like, um, experiences of grief. And yet, yeah. as a society, we don't really make space for it. Like you say, is just kind of quietly expected to wrap up the grief about three or four months later and then just get on with your life and it exists in your body for a really long time and I think it's such a huge concept I'm not just talking about breakers but I I mean you know death in itself it's unfathomable and it's interesting you talk about that it took it took a time to because that's happened to me as well and you get frustrated at yourself for like why am I not why am I not yeah why am I not feeling it in the way that I I should I'm letting other people down with the way in which I'm grieving absolutely but it is just because you like you say it's unfathomable it's your your body your soul your mind is just trying to process what's happened Mm. and it might take years for you to finally release um which is which is and you but you're like frustrated yourself because you want that release you want that release to come but no i've definitely so it's interesting we're talking about relationships because i think that is a that is something that is expected for people to get over so very quickly and they can fuck you up oh my god yeah (laughs) and people are like oh there's plenty more fish in the sea but it's like no that person was like a part of my life it was like for a few months like i did things with them every day i you know we had experiences that meant so much to both of us and as you say so much in your body and what i find so wild about breakups and stuff is that 
you know if you lose a family member or something like that you'd hope that you kind of have a community around you that are experiencing a similar loss and you can all support each other in that way but with like a breakup most of the time it's going to be between two people and the only other person who might be feeling any level of what you're feeling you can't really talk to no. Because you're trying to uh, separate yourself from them, absolutely, yeah. and that's so such wrong. a headache. So right about like that only only that person will understand mm. because they were there at that time yeah. in that conversation. Like, but you also repeat- your realities might be different. Like, absolutely, if you've yeah. Been broken up with, for example, but then you're grieving a potential life that you thought for yourself with this person. It's just yeah, so they, nuanced. They might be upset for a completely different reason yeah. as well, or a certain conversation that you thought played out a certain way they're like well I actually took this from this yeah. and it's yeah and it's again that frustration of like I want to you want some closure mm. but the only person you could give it to is the person you can speak to but so also you, they can't give you any closure like it, again again it's such yes. a fucking cliche but it has to come from within yourself like that's true that's true um, you maybe don't have to get that closure yeah. from that other person yeah Sometimes you do, Sometimes which is like positive, but yeah. it's not maybe not a necessity. Yeah. That is such a cliche, you're right. Yeah. Three things that make you feel like shit. Oh. <clears throat> Politicians. Um, <laughs> yes. Not all of them, because there is some that do. you do hope are kind of fighting the good cause. But I would stick with that as yeah. my first answer. Okay. Um, I suppose it's just... I was watching an interview he did with uh, the, the singer, Matt Healy, with Zane Lowe, and he was talking about politicians. Actually, this is not even his quotation. This is Billy Conley's because he was he was quoting Billy Conley. Mm. So he says, "I'm going to butcher this. So paraphrase that. Paraphrase this. <laughs> that's to, my favorite thing to do on this podcast. So that's, that's butcher, yeah. butcher, <laughs> great people's words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, I think Billy Conley said that Matt Healy said <laughs> that um, that if you want to be a politician, don't fucking yes, excellent. because." Because then you are just doing it for power Power. and doing it for fame and doing it for an elevation of yourself. The role of a politician is to help help his constituent, heart his and her, and then you'll end up in my celebrity. But your job as a politician is to help, you know, his or hers or theirs, you know, constituents, like not to to better your own kind of journey. And I thought I was like, that is just totally yeah, totally right. And there was like, yeah, you should just you should just take people who are great at what they do and be like, <laughs> by the way, by the way, you're gonna be prime minister. Gotta <laughs> <laughs> sort the situation it's so true. Just gonna just you just do you, just sort it. So true. And then one of them is an I'm a celebrity. Which yeah. just which just speaks to exactly yeah, what we were just talking horrendous, about. Horrendous. He's and just this, doing it for, for fame and for like, you know. But it, this is the thing, and I feel like TV shows and entertainment television need to take fucking responsibility for what they are doing like by inviting someone like that into a space that which people watch to Mm. relax and stuff like that it not humanizes because obviously they're fucking human but it simplifies like we're not voting for celebrities we're not voting for like people who come across as like friendly and one of the one of the guys like it's not fucking about that and it's so dangerous and it's how it's how this no shame slippery politics is happening at the moment because we're becoming numb to it because we just see them as like these funny characters as opposed to dangerous fucking self-entitled politicians (laughs) absolutely absolutely and that their job is to you know help us yeah. and, and help the country that they represent not to not for their own gain and yeah you're totally right I think that's just that's just so dangerous and I think that was a big kind of 
kind of push in the 2019 campaign, yeah. certain candidates yeah. were pushing their likability and yeah. their, you know, down-to-earthness rather than, like, the actual policies that were important to helping people. It's taken advantage of people who feel pushed out of politics because it's seen as, like, elitist and stuff like this, so they kind of go for the friendlier face or someone who they feel is a bit more like them, which, yeah. secret, they're not. They're not, and that's the, that's, that's the upsetting like, and, you know... They might look like yeah. they have a pint down the pub, but they also fucking drink champagne in private members' clubs, so let's not forget their, that. Their world is very different from the yeah. world that you live in. And but it's yeah. just, yeah. It's, 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 it's angry. It makes me so yeah. angry seeing <laughs> yeah. that, 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 that those kind of people are in the positions that they are. Yeah. Um, God, another two? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I could honestly just rant on about this. Um, people, uh, things, I don't know, situations where people are not given what they are owed or, like, what they've worked for. Like, I have, you know, I've known many people who have, like, worked their socks off and they've, they've not achieved what they should, you know, what is rightfully due to them because of that, because of like circumstances that are out with their control. Mm. That doesn't make me feel seeing seeing um friends and, and family uh give their all for something and, and, and not succeed in the way that they want yeah. makes me makes me feel like shit. Yeah. Um and you want to help them yeah. in, in a way that you can, but you just there's nothing that you can do. Feeling powerless as well. Mm. Um, again, tying to politicians, feeling powerless. Yeah. Um, I might put that as my third one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do Feeling situations that are yeah. completely out with my control. And I, I I do do that. And I'm someone who, I'm quite a sensitive soul. Yeah. Um, I do I do feel that I do care about a lot of things, maybe too much so that is probably a detriment to myself, but a positive as well, but a detriment mm. that I you want the best for those people they might be close to you they might be like so far away yeah. from you but they're not not feeling that you can literally do anything to to elevate them or to to help them yeah it's something that does make me feel shit as well yeah, like feeling like i can't you can't do anything to, yeah. to help them yeah I agree. And I think it's very, very hard to step away from any of those feelings at the moment because it literally just feels like a constant bombardment of shit. Um, Genuinely. I think we've spoken about it. I mean, maybe this will tie together all the three things that you've just kind of said. But, you know, in our entire lifetimes, it doesn't really feel like anything that we've wanted to happen, whether that be politically or, or whatever, has happened. And mm. it's very easy to become apathetic to it yeah. all and it's hard to keep believing that you have any control when it feels like it constantly goes in the other direction yeah how do you maintain hope very good question i think it's a very important question as you've just explained yeah i think it's a very good point because we are kind of you know overwhelmed by the fact that mm. we that there, we feel that there is no hope but i think it is just reminding yourself that there is good in people yeah it's funny like I that's something I was reminded again of these two years um it just felt we were overwhelmed with like so much you know negativity and horrible events were happening across the world that you just get sometimes you get those kind of wee stories or these wee instances where like someone has just done a good thing out of the kindness of their heart mm. it's as basic it's, it's going to sound so simple and so cliche but as basic as that it's just someone putting them putting others before themselves yeah. Like it is just reminding yourself that that is, and, I, I, and again, you know, we're talking about a, a negative part about, you know, British culture, about, you know, 
just not dealing with grief pretty well. I do feel that there is an element to British culture, which I like, is that we do, we do as a community, we do come together quite a lot. Mm. At times it can be like really fractured, but, uh, you know, especially where I come from in Glasgow, like I do feel that there's a sense of looking out for someone, even if you don't know them, yeah. looking out for a stranger. It's been, been I mean, many... Yeah, sorry to interrupt, but no, that just reminded me of like last year when we were up filming and... Um, loads of the south side of Glasgow went oh, out to stop oh. those every time I think about that I yeah. it's beautiful yeah, yeah. people on the south side it was, it, was, it was gorgeous again that's just a prime example of like so what was it that they did they went out and they stopped um, a deportation from yes. happening in the south yeah. side they surrounded the home office van that was amazing and prevented them from leaving yeah. which is just I, I, they could have been arrested yeah. they could have been facing charges they could have their li- livelihoods could have been deeply affected. Mm. Might not have been, but it could have. Yeah. And to put yourself in front of that and then see those, you know, those guys go get put back into their homes yeah. was just like, yeah. It, was, it, it shows was, that there is power in the people, I guess. There is, exactly. And yeah. that, I think that is a, again, just answer your question about reminding yourself of hope, that there's power to, there's power in people. Yeah. That we do have that. We yeah. do have that within ourselves. I recently finished um, Holly McNish's book, slug i don't know if you've heard of you it. mentioned it's that you mentioned really that brilliant yeah it's kind of a collection of poems and short stories and they're brilliant i can't recommend the book enough but in one chapter she talks about this study that was done and this is a classic caitlin orion fact which is all going to be misremembered but the essence <laughs> of it will be there that there was a study done where a group of people were asked what do you think is the reason that people stick to the rules so you know as a society we have an idea of what is good and bad and laws tend to abide by those good and bad morality questions so the question was what do you think it is that makes people abide to these rules and when they were asked about themselves people said morality and when they were asked about other people they said fear of like punishment which is really interesting because it goes to show that there is this idea that there's a suspicion of the other yeah like if it wasn't for the law people yeah. would be doing all crazy kinds of shit like yeah but actually the fact that this study showed that everyone said i abide because of morality kind of goes to show that like people are good People or believe themselves to be good. Inherently you know? good. And that's a, that's a, I mean, that's such a philosophical question that I don't even, I don't even know the answer to. Are we inherently, inherently good? Did we need, you know, yeah. religion to understand morality? Or was that, was that always, is that, but then, but then I would then argue that you do see animals sometimes protecting their yeah. young or protecting their pack. Mm-hmm. And then that is, that, I mean, they don't, I, not that I know of it, they have like a secret religion, but um, <laughs> But that is that is just a naturalistic thing. Yeah. So maybe it is, and again, that's another hopeful thing. Yeah. That that is inherent within humanity, yeah. that we have the power to do good. Yeah. Hey, whilst I've got you, if you like what you're listening to, why don't you give it a little like or a little share or a little subscribe? Send it to your nan. Who knows? She might get something out of it. The more people who hear about it, the cooler guests we can get. Thank you for listening. In opposition to that then, three things that make you feel like the shit. Mm. A good bop, a good tune. Oh yeah! Oh my god! Yeah, nineteen seventy-five. Not to plug the nineteen seventy-five, <laughs> but their album right now is exceptional. Um, it's, it's hilarious. Just talking about nineteen seventy-five. I used to hate the nineteen seventy-five. Oh yeah. Then gave him a lesson. I was like, you know what? They're actually pretty yeah. good. Um, Eventually, the groove is going to get you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's coming for me. Slowly, slowly stalking my life. But no, I think a good. I mean, simple as it is, a good tune 
can totally turn your turn your mood around. The right one, even even if it fits the mood that you're in. Mm. Like sometimes when I'm angry and I listen to angry yeah. music, it makes you feel it's better. It's cathartic, isn't it? It's cathartic. Yeah, it's that state chasing that kind of cathartic feeling. Mm. Um, it just totally, and you get these brilliant songs that are just seem to suit every mood, and you're like, oh, and that is that's when I, that's why I kind of think of like is like amazing. Amazing songwriting mm. as a as a song that just can encapsulate any feeling that you have. Yeah. Um, so a good bop makes me feel like I'm the mm-hmm. shit. What's, uh, what's your fave bop at the moment? My fave bop at the moment. Um, this is that, this is that classic thing of like you're on a date and someone's like, "So what music are you into?" And you're like, I've, "What's cool? I've what's cool? All music. <laughs> what's music? cool right what's now?" <laughs> I mean, I am listening to a lot of the nineteen seventy five, but right, I'm going to try, okay. try and be interested and think of something else. Let me look at my Spotify. Yeah, do. I, I always do remind myself because I like I like to like songs. Mm. You do that a lot. Yeah, it's I just do. good about. It's not like I'm, like I'm in my sixties. <laughs> do you do this thing called liking songs? <laughs> Um, oh, there's a new song by Paramore that are out, Classic Paul. Oh, wow. Um, this Is Why, which is quite a bop. Okay. I'm going, this is why. It's my, <laughs> it's my singing debut. Um, you know what's been a bop? Okay. Okay, I've just found one. Suddenly I See by Katie Tunsell. Amazing. Oh, my God. A timeless bop. A timeless bop. Well, she wrote that like 20. Oh, my God. It yeah. is amazing. It is. I think someone was playing it maybe in the makeup trailer or something. I went, oh, my God, that song. That takes me, it just reminds me of a certain time. Yeah. And it just makes you feel What year is great. it? Like circa 2000? And... I think it's like circa mid-noughties or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, the true to Katie Tunstall mm-hmm. fans can correct us. But like uh, a good film mm-hmm. makes you feel like you're like the shit. Like it inspires you. Or even a film that just makes you makes you laugh. Yeah. Spending time with your friends. Mm-hmm. Again, these are so simple things. But like they are <laughs> no, just so... They, are. The they just affect you. Yeah. They just affect you so so well. Especially mm-hmm. when you've had a good night as well. Like yeah. you come back and be like, oh, that was a great night. And like mm-hmm. you do feel like... You do feel you've got a bit of confidence in yourself because you've been laughing all day. Um, you just Your heart's warmed as well. And again, to be cliche and cheesy, but then tying again what we just spoke about being and people inherently good, but then seeing... Seeing people do good does make you yeah. feel like the shit as well. Makes you know, it's you know, it's worthwhile living on this planet sometimes. Something that makes you lose your shit. Oh, I can't imagine you ever losing your shit. Angsty person, I just I mean, just come to the cinema with me. So, <laughs> so I don't think we've actually been to movies together. So, like, you, you'll experience that uh-huh. unless we're in a good audience. I hate people who talk in in the movies. I, I hate it and I will like I'm not a confrontational guy no, at all I'm a people pleaser <laughs> but if someone talks no matter who they are I will say excuse me can you be quiet I'll give it I'll give it a moment sometimes sometimes it's just been like you share like a wee moment that's what you know going to see a film is about is yeah. sharing an experience but if it's constant and they're talking about something completely different Mm-hmm. grinds my gears Caitlin and I lose my shit I go like I've done I've gone I've gotten to some scrape sometimes because of it <laughs> one one day I remember uh, I went to the cinema and my, my yeah. pal Charlie reminds me of this all the time we went to the cinema to go see 1917 we went to the IMAX to see it yeah I was so excited to see this movie love the director love the cast um I love kind of period pieces like mm-hmm. that I was so excited to see this movie and the IMAX so loud and like you can't even see, hear yourself think yeah these, these guys behind us just chatting away I was like, I can't believe we're doing this. I can, I can hear them. This is mad. It's so loud and I can hear them. So I turn around and I'm like, can you be quiet, please? The guy's like six foot six, built like a tank, <laughs> looked like a mobster. And he just looks down at me like, oh what are you God. saying, pal? And I'm just, I just turn around and be like, oh, no. Oh, 
Oh God! I cannot believe I did that. But like, I just it does just grind my gears, especially because you spend so much money in a cinema. Yeah, definitely. And you're if ruining you, other people's go experiences. Talk, go somewhere else. Go somewhere else. Or talk um, about the movie after it. Yeah. Funny, funny you should mention that, Paul, because um, did this not happen to you? You're going to make me tell the story, aren't you? <laughs> I'm going to make you tell the story. This is a For story. the world to hear. <laughs> I feel like I just want to hear it again. Um, okay, fair enough. Okay, it's a good, it's a good story. It's, it's an num- excellent story. I, I feel like it's an embarrassing story and I was heavily embarrassed afterwards as well. Okay, so <laughs> I got tickets to go see The Seagull. Uh, Jamie yeah. Lloyd's uh, company uh, I went to go see Serrano uh, with my with my partner mm-hmm. um, and we absolutely loved it and Jamie Lloyd was directing the sequel like a new adaptation I was like I'll put tickets for that Covid yeah. happened so it got delayed two years till now so we went down in August there mm-hmm. July July 30th or like August the 1st was the show so we sat we came in beautiful so, scene setting so <laughs> excited to see the play and the play was amazing by the way amazing performances mm-hmm. So you sit down, and I think, and the way the play before it begins, or the, as you come in, there's already actors on stage, um, and there's loads of chairs set out. They're all facing the back of the stage, apart from one, which is Amelia Clark's yeah. um, uh, chair because she's she's playing Nina, um, and the actors are kind of mulling about and doing kind of like things that they've been directed to do, and then they'll sit down. So people were taking pictures, you know, understandably so, of mm-hmm. what they were seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my partner took a picture as well, which gave me the thought that I should take a picture. But just as just as I was about to take a picture, a uh, front of house staff came out with a sign saying "Don't take pictures," right. which you see all the time in London. And I think it's mainly because you know not being distracted mm-hmm. and and all that. But the play had not started yet. And famously, Paul, you are a rule breaker. I am a I am a you rebel. are a rebel. Without I'm a, a rebel without a cause. <laughs> <laughs> just about to say that. I am a rebel without a cause, and I I don't normally do that I don't really take mm. pictures I just like to just, just watch the play oh yeah sure maybe, sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe take a wee picture afterwards as well mm. um, but not, not not before but the play hadn't started yet and I thought you know what I'm going to sneakily take one you know how your iPhone does that thing when it's dark mm. and it tries to like light up the picture for mm. you so it takes maybe three or four seconds to do that so I popped my phone up and it was doing the three second thing and then all I hear behind me is I'll move away from the microphone <laughs> turn off your goddamn phone <laughs> And I literally shit myself. Talking about not having your shit together, I did not have my shit together at that moment. Shit myself. Embarrassed. So embarrassed. Humiliated. Being like, I can't believe. I never do this. It's just so embarrassing. I can't believe this happened. The guy next to the guy who just shouted at me was like, Sam. And he got another guy who shouted at me was like, what? The young man's taking a photograph and he's not supposed to. (laughs) I was like, this is mortifying. I cannot believe this has happened. I'd be mortified. Cannot believe this has happened. Surely it can only get better. It can only get better. (laughs) Or worse. Five minutes later, the play hadn't started yet. play had not started yet. The actors were still coming on stage, climbing on, getting their seats. So I thought, I'll look around and see who's who's shouting at me. I look around and I'm looking back. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. So I turn to my partner and I'm like, can you not make this obvious? Can you look around and see? Is that Samuel Jackson? And she she goes, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And she turns back and she's like, yeah, it is, yeah. And I'm like, I think you just shouted at me for my The most famous actor, arguably, oh, in the my world. God. For 10 seconds of this Samuel... This is your claim to fame. For, this is my claim. How sad yeah. that? 10 seconds of Samuel Jackson's life was he was annoyed with Paul Gorman. Um, and the thing is, though, I heard this... Vocally annoyed as well. I heard this. I, my partner disagrees, but I heard his phone went off during the <laughs> second half 
Now I look back, being like, uh-huh. Oh, it's all right uh, for some, isn't it? All right for some, but in my head, I was probably <laughs> did not do that, and I didn't hear wow. that. Full but, um, Pulp Fiction treatment. Full <laughs> Pulp Fiction. And you know what? He had the right to do it. It was not allowed to do. Um, stand your ground, Paul. Stand it, your ground. Was it a good picture, at least? Oh, it was a horrific picture, that's <laughs> the thing. It, like, it was absolutely <laughs> the worst. It was, it was shit. I was hoping it was a live photo, so you could hear like his yeah. voice in the oh background. But, um, Hilarious. Yeah. A moment you found some shit out about yourself. I've been saying it quite a lot in this podcast, but I think I think the past two years have been a very reflective time for everyone, even if you were unintentionally doing it. I think I fell into that category of not being aware of like, you know, growing. But like I I was realizing that I should be, you know, doing things that make me happy and not being worried too much about what other people think of me. It's a massive thing. And I think, as you say, that that comes when you get older. Yeah. Like, me at 20 is very now very different to what the age I am now. Like, I am, like, I now don't put too much stock in things. And, yeah. And I'm not changing who I am because of something else as well. Yeah. Those two years, it took the world to go still for us to be very reflective. And, yeah. Although it was an awful time for yeah. the world, it did allow a lot of people to kind of step back and reflect which was really important. Did, did you feel it, that? Did you feel the same as well? Did yeah, you definitely. That? Like I, without wanting to sound like an absolute wanker, felt like, um, you know, I had to go home back to Manchester um, at the start of COVID. Mm-hmm. And I ended up there for a few months with my parents, which wasn't where I had intended to be for that amount of time. Yeah. But like you said, like that forced stillness and stopping I think just made me really have to fucking face things that I was doing so well at avoiding up until that point. And exactly what you're saying, whilst it was fucking awful, it was also a time where I felt like I grew up and learned more about myself within those four months than I had for like the last three or four years. I completely agree. Just having to face things, yeah. Now having that experience that I think that is important, that we can make the world stand still in a way as well and and take time to yourself Mm. to reflect. I think that was a learning curve as well, that in a weird way, as we're coming out of lockdown, you still had the time to reflect, even though the world had like resumed. Yeah. So it's just important to to do that. And to be honest, you're doing this podcast as well. Like, um. When you asked me to do this, I've reflected in a way, I reflect like way back in my, the early years of my life that I'd never had done before. Mm. So sometimes it takes a friend <laughs> to, uh, to, to help you, to help you. Well, stuff. It's just like sometimes it does. Good conversation though, isn't it? In, in I, a space that you feel supported and safe. Yeah. And, and I think I do as a, you know, there's many things I'm thankful for the kind of career and industry that we mm. that we work in. But another big thing is that you did, you get to meet people who are mm. just fascinating. Yeah and make you grow as a person mm. as well like I think maybe in every prof- every profession you do meet those people but you do meet some eccentric people in this yeah. in this in line of work but those eccentric people can like change your life around definitely. like yeah. um so I do definitely feel thankful for that for sure yeah. the shittest piece of advice you've received oh I think I'm such an optimistic person that I just take on everything like <laughs> oh yeah that's great yeah I'll do that yeah and then do the thing and it goes it goes awfully wrong um I think it maybe is then just trying to get over something as quickly as possible, move on. Yeah. I mean, the worst piece of advice that I actually got was not to do what I'm doing. I suppose, yeah. like, I think every performer and artist, mm. no matter your kind of skill, 
does get told by someone, don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> I got told by my chemistry teacher not to do it. I love my chemistry teacher, but he did. I told him I wanted to be an actor in the final year of high school, he laughed in my face. Nice. Um, and, and other people were, again, like, you should focus on your hires, you should, like, just A levels, um, you know, you should do that, get a, you know, try and get a career, try and get a stable, a bit of stability in your life. It is that, isn't it? And it's like, it's well intentioned. And I don't know whether it's about, because we both went to like state schools, for example. I think that's a big part of it. And it's like, that's not for you, actually. Like, being an actor isn't for people like us. Like, yeah or even Northern or Scottish, you know, it's it's for people with RP accents and better connected. Um, yeah. So I think whilst it's like bad advice, I think it comes from a place of like, you need to make sure that you're set up in yeah. life and you can support yourself. And Totally. I understand yeah. that. I understand that. I completely understand that. It's like an ethos of our parents, mm-hmm. our grandparents surviving or just, you know, yeah. having yeah, stability and security that you can live a happy life. Mm. But sometimes... Money can't buy you love, um, <laughs> but it can, yeah. and it's risky and it's like dangerous it and there's yeah, tough we've times. We've been fortunate, haven't we? We have been like... so fortunate. Like I, I thank my lucky stars that we are in the place that we are, yeah. and it's it's to do a, a lot with luck as well, isn't oh, it? Completely. But I understand again, it is. You're totally right. It's a it's a state school mentality, and I understand that completely because mm. they just want the best for you. Yeah. They want and they want you to be safe. Yeah. Sometimes it is just about doing what you will make you happy and mm. you know give you a kind of rewarding life yeah so yeah i suppose i suppose the worst piece of advice i got given is not to do what i'm doing because i do feel i am very thankful and grateful yeah. and, and i do get a lot of joy out of what i do yeah. and i i feel just lucky to do that because some people don't get that opportunity so yeah are you the same what's yours, what's yours? again <laughs> again just turn it on you when i was auditioning for drama school someone told me to do my monologues in like an RP accent. Oh, wow. Because people wouldn't want northernness. That's ridiculous. And I remember just, and whilst it came from a good place, because that's what it was at at, at one point, you know, like, and that was the outlook that people had. I remember it just being really confusing for me because instantly it just made me feel like there was something wrong with my voice or... Mm. wrong with who I was and where I came from and things like that and actually what I've come to discover now about the industry is that the more you kind of maintain who you are within it the more interested people are in you yeah and like your uniqueness and but it's so much like where you come from is so much a part of who you are and what you can bring to it I really do think there's something in like the north and like in Glasgow that it's got such heart and it like yeah. makes you who you are yeah I think that is you know now thankfully that is celebrated mm. in terms of our industry like yeah. now 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 projects are seeking that out which is incredible I've got a question for you just on that then yeah. to the person who gave you that advice would they northern themselves yeah that's interesting that is an interesting it's it? a very just very I feel like in Scotland, I think maybe it's actually maybe not a geographical thing. Maybe it's a class thing of being very... I think it is a class thing. That's exactly Mm. what it is. You're right. It's a class thing. It's that you're almost trying to protect you from... Yeah, sounding better than... Yeah. Yeah, because I think... Where you come from. Yeah, I think that was a big thing for my grandparents. And uh, I think my mum talked about about that a lot as well, is that they would actively try to speak proper. Yeah. And not from the area that they grew up in, because that's just the way that you have to. That's you know, funny, job, jobs depend on that, and, yeah. and that is an old mentality. It where is, now, yeah. thankfully, it's you know we're actually celebrating from where people are actually from now, which is amazing. Yeah. Shit, you wish you'd known sooner. 
Ah, it's everything we've talked about in this podcast, purely. I think, like, you know, I wish I... And again, I know why I didn't, because it's, you know, it's it's living, it's growing up, it's getting older, but, like, you know, having confidence in, uh, in myself and, and, and not having to appease the wrong people, I think that's just, I think that's just vital, but I would never have learned that if I hadn't been through it myself. Yeah. So that shit to know before... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's a big, big thing for me. I have learned to now put boundaries in place yeah. as well. Whereas I was like, I would knacker myself out yeah. just trying to like help other people, yeah. and, and I, I, I acknowledge that that is a positive side. Like yeah. I do, I do try to treat other. That's my kind of motto in life, and you know, I yeah. try. I want to treat people the way that I want to be treated, and I want to, you know, put others before myself. That's the way that I lead my life, and mm. I have done so for like years. But then knowing when to take a step back and giving that time to yourself to breathe yeah. and not feeling that you have to be there for everybody because you can, you can't physically. But it's exhausting as well. And I think that that's comes from being an empath and like being empathic and, you know. Yeah, yeah. Is that a term? Empath? I yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, didn't know that. <laughs> I identify as an empath. I identify but as an empath. It makes you a wonderful friend and, and feeling things really deeply. Like, I think I only recently discovered that not everyone feels things as deeply. And I think that is like, being empathic you take on so much and it makes you an excellent friend and a good person to talk to and you're very caring and loving but it can be fucking exhausting as well because you've not you're not only worrying about yourself you're worrying about yeah. 10 other people as well and the world and you know oh, totally totally yeah. and then putting those boundaries in place yeah. I've, again not to again plug the louis through interviews but like i watched i've not finished it yet but i watched mm. the most recent one with young blood he's a, oh, yeah. a punk artist i really like him but he, a big part of his shows, which are incredible, is that he kind of champions the underdog, champions mm-hmm. those who are um, forgotten about or persecuted. Um, and he, But he takes all that on and he feels that is his duty to kind of like... Mm. And every show he's doing that and every public appearance he's yeah. doing that and it's a, a wonderful thing and part of me is like, I wish I, yeah. I could be that as well. But then on the flip side, just what we're talking about, that must be so... Stormzy so... said the same thing. Did he? Yeah, that he kind of had a bit of a breakdown because he was trying to be a good advocate for like his community and also like break mm. certain spheres and lift people up whilst also setting a good example and all of these things and it just got to the point where he just felt completely overwhelmed by it all and and understandably yeah. so yeah. it's like yeah still wanting to to help your community yeah. and help those that you care about but then knowing that it's not selfish of you again we just said earlier on yeah. to take that step back and like make time for yourself yeah. it's so important so we're now at the point of the shit shot oh the shit um, shot so yeah so this is a photo um that mm. to the outside eye might look like you had your shit together whereas okay. actually when it was taken it did not it was quite the opposite yes are you wanting to, me to show you this or yeah, sure is me at my graduation <gasps> oh lovely little kilt a little kilt there yeah. a little, little douglas douglas Darton. Uh, um, so this is a weird one because it is one of the happiest days of my life, but yeah. then also one of the most anxious days of my life. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I suppose, I mean, the lead up to that day, I was actually working. I was, I was on Outlander. Yeah, and, you'd started. Yeah. And I just, I was but working. Prodigy Paul. Prodigy Paul. Not true at all. <laughs> not true at all. Um, but I was just working the, literally the day before yeah. graduation and 
being really excited for graduation and get to spend it with my friends and my family and, and celebrate it then. But I remember waking up that day, just feeling a weird sense of like hopelessness. Um, okay. I have no idea why, or maybe I do, but I think it is then hopelessness and then worried about the future yeah. and, and being being in, in my in my university and seeing my friends and worrying for their futures and yeah of course and just having coming to an end as well absolutely yeah this big massive journey coming to an end but then also going through imposter syndrome about the the job that I'm working on and and also my three years of drama school that I somehow like feel like I shouldn't have you know I feel that I wasn't warranted that that I didn't deserve that that someone else deserved that it's weird these weird irrational fears that that um the only only us believe in when you tell it to somebody else they're like oh my god shut up what are you talking about shut the fuck up that is crazy but only yourself or like you're you're totally feeding that and and i think that's been a big learning curve as well talking about like what you've learned it's like separating rational fears from irrational fears thoughts from facts yes so like I saw it as like a rational fear would be like doing my driving test and worrying I'm not good at reverse bay parking. So yeah. I need to practice that because that's a rational fear yeah. that I might fail my test because of that. So I practice that. But an irrational fear is like something like that that's completely out with my control that yeah. I don't feel I should belong here. Or um, So they call that hypothetical and practical worries in CBT. You are very good with so, your terminologies. <laughs> but separating what is a hypothetical worry. So example, yeah. like I've got my driving test tomorrow. Yeah. I need to be prepared for it. That would be a practical worry. Like yeah. I need to make sure that I remember how to set up the car before I start and, you know, blah, blah, blah. The hypothetical worry is like, I'm going to set off and I'm going to not have any fuel in the tank and then I'm going to drive Kill into someone. a duck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Drive into a duck. Yeah. So like separating, okay, well you know once you get onto that spiral yeah there's no way out of it but like if you can bring yourself back to the practical well that's it because yeah. you'll be like so wrapped in it yeah. that you are not aware that it's an irrational fear yeah, you will yeah, think yeah. it's just like this is complete yeah. this makes this logic makes yeah. sense but then it's important to have that awareness that mm. just exactly like you're saying that you can bring yourself out of it and yeah. i think that has been a big learning curve that's yeah. just happened in the past couple of weeks i've realized yeah, that yeah, yeah. um Again, just being reflective and thinking like, oh, that's that and that's that. Um, mm-hmm. Again, just makes you feel like reflection is so important. Yeah. But that day, I just remember having all those feelings and, yeah, again, the emotional side of that cup, this journey coming yeah. to an end. And But, yeah, it's, and it's something I also kind of figured out by reflecting was, I, I, well, actually, I said this at the start of the podcast, like the happiest days of your life will still have a bit of anxiety with them, I think. Absolutely, yeah. I don't have any children, but the day that your child yeah. is born is told, and rightfully so, the happiest day in your life. Yeah. But then you have all these other anxieties about, you know, is the birth going to be okay? Or mm. what we're going to do? And now I have this child in my hand, what am I going to do? You're not... So it's, again, just... Exactly, yeah. Take now back. It's never going to be pure joy. Yeah, yeah. living alongside that anxiety... Beautiful even though those beautiful, happy, gorgeous moments of your life, it's going to be there, but you can make it your... Mm. What did you say? Befriend anxiety? Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Something Some, wise like something that. Something wise and wonderful like that. So, Paul Gorman. That's my name. Have you got your shit together? I, Paul Gorman, do not have my shit together, but that's okay. And that's the way, I, that's the way that life is going to be. There'll be times where I do feel I'm on top of the world, the times that I won't be, but it's normalising that and making making sure that you can weirdly get through it. Beautiful. Oh my God. 
<laughs> that was so so cliche. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, and on that bombshell, we all cringe at first. <laughs> <laughs> No, genuinely but no, beautiful. No, and thank Caitlin, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I, thank this you podcast for is just brilliant for that thing of saying it out that not everybody's got the shit together. Yeah. No matter how okay. you think as acted, it is totally fine. <laughs> thank you very much, Paul. Thank you, Caitlin. Bye. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. This podcast is produced by Ant Hickman. The artwork is produced by Tim Saunders and the photography is by Patch Bell. A massive thank you to Cassia for letting us use their song Slow. See you on the next episode of Have You Got Your Shit Together. Now and then I'm just a little bit low. I always try to lose my mind in a conversation with you.